Hello and welcome to a Waypoint Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to it. This is great. It's great to be together. How wonderful is this? And great to be with you if you're watching online as well. How special to be family together and how special for me to be here to speak to you at this very special time of year. And 2020, what a year. What a year. We won't forget 2020 in a hurry, will we? It feels like the seasons were completely changed, weren't they? Spring became lockdown one. Summer became eat out to help out. Autumn became lockdown two. And everyone who said that 2020 would end in tears was absolutely right. I think we're tier two, aren't we? That was a terrible joke. It has been a really interesting and challenging year. And for some people, probably some people in this room and some people watching, it really has been a difficult, difficult year. But here we are in the season of Advent. And I don't know about you, but for me, it kind of crept up on me. I was suddenly in Tesco and I could hear music and I'm like, oh my gosh, Michael Bublé, it must be Christmas. Um, They wheeled him out and he's still going strong in 2020 and Mariah Carey's still telling us all she wants for Christmas, which I suspect is the royalties from that song. That would be good, wouldn't it? All the normal Advent songs are playing in the shops. But wonderfully, we get to hear Christmas carols again at this time of year. And for me, I really know it's Christmas when we begin to hear the wonderful, wonderful Christmas carols. And you probably have your favourites, I'm guessing. There are some favourites that you have. Some people love Silent Night. Hark the herald angels sing, O come all ye faithful. I wonder what your favourites are. Mark and I particularly like a hymn, an Advent carol that is usually sung earlier in the Advent season around now. I don't know whether you know it. It's called O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Anyone else like it? Few people in the room. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. It's actually over a thousand years old. Did you know that? It was only translated from Latin into English in the 1850s. And I love its beautiful, haunting minor melody. And I love, most of all, the words that say, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee. And that word, Emmanuel, is such a special word. It's such a significant word. And it's a word I'm going to look at a bit with you this morning. It's a word that's found right at the heart of the nativity story. And so I'm going to read you the words from Matthew 1, where we find that word. This is really makes us feel like we're in the Advent season as we read these words together. So it's Matthew 1, verses 18 to 23. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are, give him, are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, 
which means God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. So his name is Jesus, which means God saves or God rescues us, but he will be called Emmanuel. And this word is a statement about who Jesus is. Matthew is deliberately referencing back to the other place in the Bible that this word is used, which is in the book of Isaiah, in the prophecy that says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And so now at Christmas, we're reminded of that very ancient promise that God is with us that was demonstrated in a new and a complete way in the incarnation, the birth of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I find it wonderful that God didn't just send an ambassador. God didn't just send a representative. He himself stepped into humanity He himself is God with us. It's the foundation, or if you like, the very cradle of the Christian faith. And I do think that wide-angle view is really important. I don't know whether you've ever thought about this, but the Bible itself is like a great big story of God's persistent desire to be with his people, to be known by his people, and to know us, to dwell with his people. It's one of the consistent promises of Scripture. Right back in Genesis 26, 24, God says to Isaac, Do not be afraid, for... I am with you. And you see those words repeated time and again throughout the Old Testament. We come to the birth of Jesus, this incarnation, fully God, fully human, God dwelling with us. At the end of Matthew, Jesus promises his followers, surely I am with you until the very end of the age. And if we fast forward to the very end of the Bible in in Revelation 21 at 3, it says these amazing words. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. This constant desire that God has to establish and reestablish his relationship with us. He longs to dwell with us, and he longs that we dwell with him. I find this so reassuring. You know, God is not just for us. God doesn't just care about us. God is with us. Allow me to make that more personal for you. God is not just for you. God does not just care about you. God is with you. God is with you even right now. He is with you. He is not against you. Even when it feels like life is a little bit against you, God is a God who wants to dwell with you through every single season. He's our Emmanuel. So that's the wide-angle lens, but let's zoom in again to that nativity scene. Isn't it incredible that the God of the universe came as a humble, vulnerable baby? Does that blow anyone else away? I think it's extraordinary. It's remarkable. And sometimes we forget the gritty reality of that nativity scene. We sanitize it. We've seen pictures of Mary in pieces of art and on Christmas cards. She looks like she's glowing so much she's just come back from a spa break. I don't think that's how it was. Most of us here, if, if we've ever, ha- some of us who've had children, have only done it in a, in a Western hospital with medical intervention available. Imagine 2,000 years ago in temporary accommodation. It was gritty. 
And yet the God of the universe steps into that messy reality to dwell with us, to show us once and for all, this is what a God of love looks like. He comes in humility. He comes to serve. He comes to love the lost. He comes to restore people. He comes to rescue people. He comes to reconcile us to God so that we can live life with God and for God. It's good news. In fact, if I was going to summarize the season of Advent in just a couple of words, it would be this. Good news. Help is on its way. And I think we can feel that feeling at the moment, can't we? We're watching the news every day. And incredibly, thank God for the scientists around the world who've been working night and day for so long. Good news. Help is on its way. There's a vaccine on its way. And we can see this light at the end of a really difficult tunnel of 2020. Where have you imagined that feeling of anticipation towards that help? Let's think about that in the sense of the nativity story. Good news. Help is on its way. The people of Israel who've been longing for a Messiah. Good news. Help is on its way. Good news for us. Help is still very much on its way. And maybe like you, like me, you probably need to let that just soak in again this year, especially this year. As we are surrounded with so much uncertainty, so much sadness, so much anxiety, so much loss, let's just let this soak in a fresh revelation that we need, that God is Emmanuel with us. I am often have to come back to this truth. I often get to the point where I need a fresh revelation that God is with me. If I'm honest, when I get tired, when I get stressed, when I get low, my default position is to eat chocolate, drink coffee, and write to-do lists. And I have to remind myself that God is with me because I tend to get on with things myself and forget to check in with God sometimes. I remember a couple of years ago, particularly, I was feeling really run dry. You know, if you've got an energy tank or a resources tank in you, and sometimes there's more coming out the bottom than it was going in the top. Well, it was one of those seasons. Loads of deadlines, loads of stress, loads of different things going on. And I remember feeling really, really empty. And I went to a conference and usually when I go to a conference, I'm, I'm one of the speakers at it. But this was fantastic because I got to go just as a guest. And a friend had invited me and booked us into a really nice hotel. I'll be honest with you folks, I'm in ministry. You know, Premier Inn's posh for me. But this was like an even posher hotel. It had like a white um, toweling robe. I put it on. I strut across the room just because I could. I opened and closed the minibar. Couldn't afford to buy anything in it, but it was there So it was nice just to open and close it, feeling fabulous. But I remember getting into my giant bed that night and saying to God, this is so wonderful, but God, I'm empty. I really need a refresh revelation of you. I need to know your kindness. I need to hear from you because I feel really empty. And I went to bed that night and I went to sleep. But at three o'clock in the morning, something happened. I became aware that the light was on and there was a man stood at the end of my bed. I was absolutely terrified, as you can imagine, and began to scream like a woman in a horror film. 
the man realised that something had gone horribly wrong and we kind of considered the situation we were in. He had been given, mistakenly, a room key by the receptionist downstairs whose computer obviously had not registered that there was somebody in said bedroom. And so there we were, looking at each other. His ears were probably bleeding by this point as he backed out of the room slowly, feeling incredibly awkward. And my heart was beating ten to the dozen I remember after he'd left, picking up the phone to the receptionist and saying something along the lines of, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Something like that. And I didn't manage to go to sleep the rest of the night, as you can imagine. Well, morning came and I went downstairs and unsurprisingly, the manager of the hotel was waiting for me. He apologized profusely. And then he said to me, What is it that I can do for you? Because I'm British, I mumbled something along the lines of, oh, no, don't worry about it. Thank you for noting, but don't do it. It's absolutely no bother at all. I really don't want to be in it. Honestly, there's lots of things for you to be worrying about. Don't worry about it. Thank you so much. Anyway, he ignored my nonsense and said, no, I think we can do better than that. And he refunded my stay, and then he gave me loads and loads of treats, VIP cocktails on the roof bar, all kinds of snacks. I felt like Kim Kardashian. It was amazing. It had such a fantastic time. I felt really, really blessed. In fact, that night when I went to my hotel bedroom again, I was feeling overwhelmed at what I felt was a disproportionate amount of generosity from the hotel manager. I just felt like it was like unnecessary kindness. But as I was thinking about that, I just felt these words drop in my head. And it was like the Holy Spirit just nudging me. And it was as if Jesus was saying to me, Kathy, what is it that I can do for you? A question that Jesus often asked people as you read the Gospels. And I immediately realized in that moment that I had been responding to Jesus exactly the same way as I had responded to the manager of the hotel. Something along these lines. Oh, Jesus, don't worry about me. I'm fine. I've got my to-do list. There are other people with more needs around the world. Don't worry about me. Thanks ever so much for noticing. But honestly, I'll be absolutely fine. That's how I've been responding to Jesus as well, getting on on my own. And it was as if in that moment, God said to me, Kathy, no, I have so much more for you than that. God knew what I needed to know. He knew the mess that I kept getting myself into. He knew the habits and the mistakes that I was making. He knew the rest that I needed. And he wanted to step right into it and to dwell with me in it, to bring restoration, to bring peace into that situation. The problem is, if I'm really honest with you, I had settled for being tweaked by grace rather than being transformed by it. Well, I can only tell you that that weekend at that conference was an enormous turning point for me. I really felt like the Spirit spoke to me and broke some stuff in me, and I particularly went away with two lessons. And the first one is this. Always, always double lock your hotel bedroom door. That little extra knob that's under the handle, it's there for a reason. Use it. So that's my first thing, which is, you know, you can have that for free. But the second one probably is a little more significant. 
God does not want to be a distant God. He is Emmanuel. But you know what? The gospel is only good news if we receive it and we receive it again. God's unconditional love has been expressed to us through Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. And you know what? It wasn't supposed to accomplish just enough for us to be able to cope on the dregs of God's goodness, coping on our own. Jesus didn't intend that we would still try and clear up our own mess, our own mistakes, our own regrets. Jesus didn't give his life so that we still carry our own burdens or we just take the edge off our guilt or slightly lessen our selfishness or slightly loosen the chains of oppression and injustice in the world. That is not the plan. He offers us so much more than that. Jesus came to offer transformation and restoration and liberation. He's given us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us every day. And it says in God's word that he who has begun a good work in you, he wants to finish it. That is good news. And if that seems overwhelming, disproportionately generous, extravagant, and way more than you deserve, that's because it is. It's called grace. And that's why it's good news. And even if you don't feel worthy of it today, God says you are worthy of it because you are his child. And this truth is true for us this Advent, whatever challenges and whatever opportunities you're facing at the moment. God is for you. God does care about you. But most of all, he is with you. You don't need to pretend with God. You don't need to try and impress God. He is more than able to step into your gritty reality. He is Emmanuel with you. And I do think this is so important for us to remember. It's a bit of a theology that it's so important for us to remember that God is faithful in the mess as well as in the miracle. And in fact, that's what we see, isn't it, in the nativity scene, the mess and the miracle simultaneously. And so often in our life, we have the messy and the miraculous happening at the same time. We have blessings over here and we have battles over there. We're, we're kind of got those twin tracks always happening in our life. And it's so easy to get derailed by the battles, by the things that we are challenged about. Maybe this year you've prayed for something and it hasn't happened. And you're asking yourself, well, where is God then? I know Mark and I have asked that question many times over the years. Maybe you feel like you've slipped off God's agenda a little bit. Maybe sometimes, we all do this, we confuse life and God. And we think just because life's bad, that must mean that God is bad. All of us this year could create a great big list of the battles in our lives, of the things that are challenging. But listen, it is so important that we don't forget that God's blessings are more than the battles that we face. And I'm not saying we should deny or minimize the battles because they're real, but God is with us in them. He is Emmanuel. His grace is everywhere. Every day when you get up and take a breath, that is grace. Every time you experience kindness, forgiveness, hope, when you enjoy the beauty of God's creation, the joy of relationships, he is with us. So let's come back to this nativity truth at the beginning of Advent and ask Jesus, be born in me, 
again today. Be my Emmanuel. Maybe ask God to speak to you in a fresh way. Maybe ask Jesus, what is it that he wants to say to you in this season? What is it that he can do for you? What is it that he wants to show you right now? What might God want to reveal to you about himself in this season? How might God want to dwell with you in a new way in the last month of 2020? And how can you focus more on him in this Advent? It's going to be a bit different singing Christmas carols this year, probably in our own homes, not together in church. I'm just still coming to terms with the fact we won't meet here together on Christmas Day. It's going to be different for us this year. But as we sing these familiar songs, can we just be reminded, it's not just a break from Michael Bublé. These songs are precious. The words in them are amazing. They are not just accompaniment to music, to like eating our mince pies. These songs remind us that the God of the universe stepped down into humanity as a baby. But as importantly, he wants to step into your life today. He's Emmanuel. He is God with us. It's a simple message, isn't it, today? But a really important one for us to consider at Advent, but particularly this year. And I wanted to leave a bit of time deliberately today for you to be able to ask those questions of yourself. What is it that he wants to show you? What about himself would he like to reveal to you? How might he want to dwell with you? And so we're going to play a song on a video And it's a beautiful song by Francesca Battistelli, wonderful singer. And I don't know whether she planned it this way or not, but she's singing the song in this recording with her baby on her lap. And you can hear the baby gurgling as part of the music, which is just really lovely. And as she's singing this song about Mary and about God with us, Emmanuel, that picture is like really kind of resonant, isn't it? But as you listen to the words, and I'd really encourage you to try and listen to the beautiful words, just ask yourself, what does it mean for you that God is Emmanuel, that God is with you? How do you need that to be true, and how could you invite God to dwell with you in this season? So we're going to watch the video, soak it up, enjoy it, allow God to speak to you, and then I'll pray at the end. Take a deep breath. I don't know what to say when I look in your Amen. Let's pray. And we thank you, Heavenly Father. You could have left us on our own, but you're here. You dwell with us. Emmanuel, God with us. We just thank you that that is the truth, Lord. You didn't hold yourself back. You didn't keep yourself distant. You came for us. And I thank you, God, that you are not just a God of the easy bits. You are a God who wants to dwell with us in every season. And forgive us, God, when we 
when we forget, when we move, when we distance ourselves from you, when we make Christmas into something it really was never meant to be. And I pray, Lord, this year especially, we will come again and we will sit at your feet in awe and in wonder that we would soak up the truth that you are here. You're here in the blessings and the opportunities and the things that we are thankful for this year. But you're also here in the sadness and the disappointment. You are here. And you give us joy, you give us strength, and you give us hope. Because we know we're not alone. You do it with us. Fill us again with your spirit, God. Fill us again. Speak to us. Reveal yourself to us this Advent. May we draw near to you and you draw near to us. And we thank you that you are God, Emmanuel, God with us. In Jesus' name.